This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 99, The Bell Witch. In the heartland of Tennessee, where sprawling fields meet dense forests, a small community known as Red River was about to be forever entangled in a web of supernatural terror. The Bell family, residing in their humble farmhouse, became unwitting victims of a malevolent force that would come to be known as the Bell Witch. Join us as we embark on a journey to unravel the haunting events surrounding the Bell Witch and the profound impact they had on the lives of those caught in its clutches. In the early 19th century, John Bell and his family lived harmoniously within the tight-knit Red River community. They were respected members of society, known for their integrity and hard work. Their farmhouse stood as a testament to their devotion to the land, providing a haven from the hardships of life. John, a loving father, and his wife Lucy doted on their children ensuring they grew up in a nurturing environment. One spring evening in 1817, the tranquility that enveloped the Bell household was shattered by a strange and unsettling occurrence. Faint whispers seemed to echo through the walls, barely audible, but eerily persistent. The family dismissed them at first, chalking them up to the creaks and groans of an aging house. Yet, as days turned into weeks, the whispers grew louder, more distinct, and increasingly intelligible. The whispers, it seemed, were just the tip of the iceberg. The mischievous nature of the unseen entity soon became apparent. Household items would mysteriously vanish, only to reappear in bizarre places. Doors slammed shut without the aid of human hands and unexplained scratching noises emanated from the walls. Such pranks were unsettling, but the Bells hoped that they were simply the result of overactive imaginations. The Bell family's hopes of rational explanations were shattered when the entity began to interact with them directly. It spoke in an otherworldly voice, its words filled with malice and venom. It identified itself as Kate Batts, a neighbor with whom John Bell had had a bitter dispute years before. See, over the years, Kate Batts had developed a reputation in Red River for dabbling in the dark arts. So when paired with those past disputes, 
It was easy for the family and their fellow townsfolk to imagine the disgruntled woman summoning some otherworldly entity to terrorize them. This was particularly true, considering the fact that the witch's wrath seemed particularly directed toward John and his daughter Betsy, who bore the brunt of its malevolence. As time passed, the Bell Witch's presence grew more potent, and its actions more fearsome. Betsy, once full of youthful exuberance, became a shadow of her former self. She was plagued by nightmarish visions and violent encounters, leaving her physically and emotionally drained. John Bell, too, bore the brunt of the witch's aggression, with unexplained bruises and scratches appearing on his body. The once idyllic farmhouse had become a battleground between the living and the unseen. And the enigmatic entity's reign of terror did not go unnoticed. Whispers of the haunting spread like wildfire through the Red River community, captivating the curious and leaving the skeptics bewildered. News of the strange occurrences reached neighboring towns, piquing the interest of those seeking answers to the unexplainable. The Bell family's plight became a source of fascination and fear, drawing both sympathy and scrutiny from the wider world. As the malevolent presence of the Bell Witch tightened its grip on the Bell family, their lives became consumed by fear and torment. As their struggle against the unseen intensified, they began to question the true nature and purpose of the experience. The Bell Witch, relentless in its pursuit of the family's suffering, continued to escalate its aggression. It tormented John with unseen forces, often striking him with such force that he would collapse in pain. No corner of the farmhouse remained safe from its reach. The entity's focus on John's daughter Betsy intensified, invading her dreams with vivid nightmares and waking her with an invisible hand gripping her throat. The Bell family found themselves trapped in a nightmarish existence, their once peaceful abode transformed into a supernatural war zone. With details of the witch's relentless torment circulating through the surrounding communities, the Red River locals, initially skeptical, were soon swayed by the mounting evidence and the palpable fear emanating from the Bell household. Concerned neighbors offered their support and prayers seeking solace and unity against the unseen terror. Others, driven by morbid curiosity, flocked to witness the Bell Witch's malevolence firsthand, their presence both a source of comfort and a reminder of the inescapable reality facing the family. One of the most chilling aspects of the Witch's haunting was its ability to engage in conversations with the living, Through its otherworldly voice, the entity displayed an uncanny knowledge of intimate family secrets, drawing upon information only the Bells could know. The witch would often taunt and deride the family, delivering ominous prophecies and threats of impending doom. Its unnerving ability to mimic the voices of neighbors and deceased loved ones only added to the sense of unease and confusion that plagued the household. As the spirit's reign of terror continued, religious fervor mingled with fear and desperation. 
Some saw the haunting as a divine punishment for past transgressions, a test of faith that needed to be endured. Clergymen were called upon to bless the house, performing exorcisms and attempting to drive out the wicked spirit. However, these efforts seemed futile, as the witch's power only seemed to grow in response to the religious rituals performed. Amid the chaos, John Bell Jr., one of the Bell's sons, began to document the terrifying events that unfolded within the farmhouse. His written account chronicled the relentless torment, the conversations with the witch, and the impact on his family's physical and mental well-being. The publication of his account brought the Bell Witch haunting to the attention of a wider audience, solidifying its place in American folklore and captivating the imaginations of generations to come. Despite the increasing attention and speculation surrounding the Bell Witch, the true nature and motives of the entity remain shrouded in mystery. Was it a vengeful spirit seeking retribution? Or an embodiment of dark forces summoned by unknown means? The answers eluded the Bell family and the community alike, leaving them to grapple with the inexplicable and terrifying reality that they found themselves trapped in. As the torment persisted, its power seemed to grow at a terrifying rate. The entity developed a malevolent intelligence, acquiring knowledge beyond what could be explained by simple pranks or coincidences. It seemed to revel in the psychological warfare, exploiting the deepest fears and insecurities of the family. Its presence permeated every aspect of their lives, casting a suffocating shadow over their once peaceful existence. One of the most baffling aspects of the haunting was the Bell Witch's prophetic abilities. It revealed knowledge of future events, predicting calamities and tragedies that would befall both the Bell family and the wider community. These premonitions held an air of inevitability, leaving those who heard them gripped by a sense of impending doom. The witch seemed to delight in the fear it instilled, savoring the power it had over the lives of the family. As the torment reached its peak, John Bell, the family patriarch, found himself at the center of the witch's attention. The entity's relentless attacks left him weak and bedridden, inching closer to the brink of death. Until, on December 20th, 1820, he was found dead in his bed. A strange acrid scent reportedly lingered around his mouth. A small medicine bottle formerly unknown to the family was found lying next to the bedside table that smelled similar. The infamous apparition would waste no time in claiming responsibility for his death, stating plainly to the house, I fixed his medicine last night and gave him a big dose of it. He'll never get out of that bed again. For the first time in United States history, an actual documented death was blamed on a supernatural entity. Believe it or not, manifestation of the spirit's obvious hatred of John Bell did not stop with his murder. It went on to make an appearance at his memorial. During the burial service, it openly mocked him, laughing and singing body tavern songs. The Bell family and their neighbors 
desperate to break free from the witch's clutches, devised a plan. They called upon renowned exorcist, Reverend John Blackwell, to confront the supernatural force that had terrorized them for so long. Armed with faith and determination, Reverend Blackwell faced the Bell Witch head-on. He engaged in fierce spiritual combat, invoking prayers and performing rituals in an attempt to banish the malevolent entity from the Bell household. The struggle between the Reverend and the Witch was fraught with intensity, each side unleashing their respective forces in a battle that transcended the boundaries of the physical world. After a prolonged and arduous confrontation, the Bell Witch finally seemed to relent. And with its departure, the Bell family was seemingly freed from the torment that had consumed their lives for years. The farmhouse, once a battleground of supernatural forces, returned to some semblance of peace. Unfortunately, this peace would be short-lived. Among the surviving Bell family members... This ordeal was undeniably hardest on Betsy. Her physical and mental health had deteriorated rapidly, her spirit nearly broken under the relentless onslaught. Desperate for an escape, Betsy formed a bond with a local suitor, Joshua Gardner, hoping to find solace and protection in his love. But the spirit seemed to be obsessed with her appearing altogether unwilling to allow anything like happiness or contentment in her young life. The terror would return with threefold intensity soon after the announcement of her engagement. It was only with the dissolution of their impending nuptials that she and her family finally found peace. The Bell Witch haunting left an indelible mark on the Bell family and the Red River community. The stories of their supernatural encounters became the stuff of legends, passed down through generations, and forever etching their names in the annals of American folklore. The Bell Witch's tale continues to captivate and intrigue, drawing countless curious visitors to the site of the haunting in search of answers, and just a glimpse into the unseen realm. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now the debrief. Just keeping you on your toes. Yeah, always, every week now. Something (laughs) something weird gets thrown at me. I like it. Keeping me awake over here. What was the the one you... I don't even want to remember. Something campers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyhow, I like to change it up, you know. Yeah, I understand. Make it coming a little up different. on a hundred times we've done this, so yeah, might as well, might as well yeah. mix it up. It's crazy, man. We're nearing that hundred mark. This is oh, it's it, weird. It feels good though. It really feels good. It does. I mean, we've been doing this for. First episode was July 27th. First five episodes, I guess I should say. July 27th of 2021. Yeah. Yep. We're coming up on two years. Yeah, we're getting close. That's pretty cool. We're getting close. We honestly, when I look back at like our output, I, and I'm like generally not one for bragging, but like when I look back at our output over the last almost two years, I'm like, I'm super proud of it. You know Me what too. I mean? I mean, just like, as we were talking on the 
pre-post companion show for Patreon, we'll soon enough be able to say we're at a quarter million downloads. Yeah, we're getting there. And that's that just feels nice. And it I does. know it's it's not I mean that's not it's not a ton, but also that's pretty damn that's pretty damn good. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It just I, feels um, cool to say. On last week's Fireside Chat, I was talking with uh, Matt from Moth Boys, and he was talking because they do like they have a fairly loose schedule. They're like very chill about it. And yeah, they they basically they make a show when they want to make a show. Um, and like, I like that approach go- too. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, I mean, whatever works for you, you know. Um, and it was just we we got into like sort of little comparing things. Because they, they've actually released less episodes in four years than we've released of the main show <laughs> in less than two years. That's crazy. Just, yeah, it's wild. It's wild. And there are people out there doing brilliant shows that only release one once a month. You know what I mean? Like, it's just everybody's different. It's yeah. just... That's what I mean when I say when I look back at our output, like I'm... I'm just super impressed with us. <laughs> that sounds it was, really. It was something I mean, we've talked about for a long time. Like we we talked about doing for a long time before we ever did it. Um, and of course, I mean we we had other little ideas, podcast ideas that we did here and there, or talked about whatever else. Yeah, but like I don't know. Once finally finding something that works for us, it's uh, it's crazy to say. I mean, for the main show. We're about to hit 100 episodes. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, I look at, like, the hours invested. The hours invested in, like, the time that we've poured into it. But also, like, looking at this back catalog that we also have and all the hours of content there are. Like, there is, I I guess, whatever. But regardless. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And we'll, you know, we'll reflect on that more oh, next yeah, week on course. the actual 100th episode. But, like... I just, it, I'm just, i just getting a little, you know... Yeah. We're we're all, like, we're almost at 100. That's... It's insane. That's yeah, all I'm trying to get at. It's wild. So, yeah. This week, The Bell Witch. What did you think? Um, well, I, I heard the story quite a few times. So I've heard a lot of podcasts do it, and... Of course, a lot of YouTube videos over the over the subject and everything. And of course, everybody kind of tells it differently. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it, I mean, it's it's a crazy story. And it really is. Just the fact, I mean, we talk about a lot of haunts. You know, we we talk about a lot of haunts and different unique haunts. And this one to me like is it, it's like a haunt, it's a witch, we don't really 100% know, but like yeah. The fact that, I mean, this is one that, like, this family was able to legitimately talk to. Yeah. Hold conversations with. Like, that's one of the yeah. wildest things about this whole, this whole like, thing. That's the thing is, like, I, I think people don't really know how to categorize this. Right, Because yeah. it it's not just a straight-up haunting, you know? It's not a no, normal no, poltergeist. To me, it reminds me of stories of from uh middle eastern folklore about jinn yeah that's what it really reminds me of it's like right up there with uh jeff the talking mongoose you ever heard that story i know the name why can't i think of the story it's so similar to this dude where just this spirit like 
or whatever it is comes into this family household and just starts having these crazy ass conversations with them about things that no one in the family could possibly know. Right. That's you know also I mean? like, the thing. Yeah. Yeah. The crazy shit about this too. Uh-huh. Huh. Yeah. So it's like so it's not a ghost. You know what I mean? It no, like I, it has I to be something more than that. Uh, yeah. I, I agree with that. It, it has to be something more than I mean it's, it's this is like things like foretelling like shit. It's yep. like uh, it's basically like you know like just laying down prophecies here and like here and there. I yep. mean, you know, your average ghost isn't going to at least at least as far as we know, you know that we've been able to study and do and talk about on this show. I've never yep. came in con- or never came across any other topic ghost hunt poltergeist whatever where that is a thing yeah the only other one i know about outside of you know that the gin lore is jeff the talking mongoose that's which we have to cover that at some point too that's such a fucking crazy i also like the name jeff right exactly (laughs) he just named himself jeff (laughs) told them he was a mongoose (laughs) (laughs) that's so weird yeah, it's beyond but yeah, I weird. I know, dude. I know that story, and I just, I literally just can't think of it. And just for anyone who wants a primer on Jeff the Talking Mongoose, go back and listen to our Fireside Chats episode called "Creepy Hot Girl Shit" with Cody Crowley. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah, and we we talk about the Bell Witch, and we talk about Jeff the Talking Mongoose, and like the crossover and how similar it is, and um, she's very well abreast of those of both topics so she gives like a really good primer on on jeff so until we cover it fully go back and check that out yeah we're i mean we're gonna have to at this point like yeah there's no coming back from it yeah (laughs) it's out there (laughs) we talked about it too much um but yeah so this i mean this story is like to me, when I think American folklore, I think the Bell Witch and the Jersey Devil. Yeah. Those are like, I think, top two most American bits of, you know, I put those up there with like Paul Bunyan and, you know, Babe the Blue Ox and John Henry and like, you know, American folklore. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. It's, it's, it's a very, I mean, obviously it's a very well-known story at this point yeah like i said yeah. i mean I, i've i've heard it numerous times in numerous different tellings and you know and so it's uh yeah it's it's a classic basically yeah i mean the um the bell witch cave is a major tourist destination to this day yeah it's it's a place that it, yeah it's it's very it's very well advertised very very well known and it's very very popular for sure yeah and like we'll talk a little bit about Bell Witch Cave tonight, but this Friday for our fireside chat, we're going to have Heather Mosier on, and um, she's like an expert on the Bell Witch, and she's been to the Bell Witch Cave dozens of times. She's um, actually friends with the people who run it, like, That's awesome. and she has some some crazy stories. That'll be it, a so. very nice companion to this episode. Yeah. so that's cool. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited to do that. Um, 
but yeah, let's uh, let's get into some of the details along the way. Yeah. So, sort of the definitive book on the Bell Witch came out in 1894 by um, by a guy named Martin Ingram. Okay. Which is weird because we grew up with a kid whose it? dad's name was Martin, Martin Ingram. Yes, actually. Yeah. That is super weird. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Ryan and Ty. <laughs> so your dad wrote this book back in 1894. <laughs> <laughs> That's some time travel shit. Right? No, so Martin Ingram wrote this book, 1894. It's called Authenticated History of the Bell Witch. Okay. And that was like the first full-length account of all the events. Um. One of the sons had, like, some things published earlier than that, but it was just sort of bits and pieces and, like, right. more in a journaling style. Um, but this this book, it sort of goes back and forth the way it's seen. Some, some people, obviously, because when we talk about any of this stuff, it's like, if you believe any of this at all, right? Like, uh, of course, there's always that, right? But yeah, so there's always going to be a skeptical take. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so some people look at this book as like a complete work of fiction, right? That's fair. But and then there are people who think of it as documentary, like this is a biography about the family and what they went through. But then there are also people, maybe I think I might fall into the third category, honestly, but. Some people consider it like a study in folklore, like a, a piece that reflects the beliefs of the time in the region. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because reality is different depending on what you believe and and the time you're of living course. in. And, and I was going to say the time is the time is the most important thing there. It's, right. I mean, how many people were um, thought to be, you know, possessed by demons right. when actually they had epilepsy? You know what I mean? They yeah. just People just didn't understand. So, were they possessed? According to literally all of society, yes, they were possessed. You know what I mean? So, yeah. when you go back, you're. it's cool to read those things because the people aren't lying. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not It's not that the, the person exercising the demon out of this poor epileptic person, they're not being disingenuous. Like, that's... That's reality for them, right? Yeah, and it's, I mean, especially in a time where all these things we know now, you know, weren't a thing. Right. I mean, they're tr- they're trying to rationalize. They're trying to make sense. They're trying to justify or whatever else is, you know, what's going on. Yep. A very, also very religious time. Absolutely. You know, this is Satan's business. And they're not lying. They're just right. trying to make sense of it, right, with their frame of reference. I mean, at the time, they were very ignorant. Ignorant, not yeah. meaning like stupid or whatever else. They were just, they didn't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the same as when you look back at like Greek mythology and right, like that's just a people trying to make sense of the world around them. Right. Of course. Like to them, the concept of someone pulling the sun across the sky in a chariot, that's what made the most sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like how else would a thing get pulled? You know, they didn't understand gravity. They didn't understand, like, a heliocentric universe or galaxy. So, yeah, the book, you know, depending on what circle you you hear it discussed in. Yeah, that makes sense. That, for sure. I think, I mean, obviously, especially in something like this, it, it's pretty out there. Yeah, you know, the story. A, lo- a lot of, yeah, the story, it's, it's, it's pretty out there. And 
you know this the whole like again the the parts i focus on are the fact that like they're having full-blown conversations and this thing is apparently a wizard like yeah or a witch yeah the things that truly <laughs> set it apart from a standard right haunting. yeah and just the fact that like it's foretelling like things that are going to happen like i always find and maybe this is just me i don't know but i always find like the idea of like prophecy and stuff like that to be very compelling no quite the opposite oh, oh okay like and that's why i was trying to be very delicate okay. with this so you're saying it feels like bullshit to you the prophecy and in some cases yes but i know that there's there's been prophecies and stuff like out the you know th- that have been foretold that have been extremely legitimate and yeah you know and that's where like it, it's very it's I, I just find myself like struggling to to buy into it but at the same time like i know that that obviously there's something there's something about it it's possible yeah maybe like people are really good at guessing sure i i don't know you know I, it's something i find myself i i think about sometimes not just you know it's it's not one of those things that keeps me up at night but it's like yeah you know like just coming across <laughs> something you right exactly yeah coming across yeah. something that you know and so yeah and i i you know again that's that's why this is like one of these focuses i i like focus on more in this story than some of the other things right yeah I mean, you have very famous examples, right? Like Nostradamus's Quatrains. Of course. course. You have like uh, Baba Vanga, right? That we talked about in our Tsarachina episode. Um, She had some, I mean, she predicted 9 11. She predicted like presidents getting assassinated, like all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not just completely dismissing it at all. Yeah. It's, I, I find it extremely like, fascinating yeah but at the same time like i like i i also find it just very hard to be like oh yeah you know what you're talking about i'm gonna buy every every single bit of it you know i'm just like i i ride the lines there on being very skeptical yeah i have a lot of that too and i think part of that might be our age group having grown up with the cheesiest batch of tv psychics (laughs) I'm <laughs> of any time in history. Yeah, no, you're, right? that like, probably has has a bit to do with it. You're right. Yeah, I mean, we grew up in the age of John Edwards yeah. crossing over and Miss Cleo. Uh, that's on, the, I was you know? trying to think of her name. Yes, yeah, yes, 100. Yeah, just the cheesiest shit, the obvious scam for money. You yeah, know what I mean? And that's, like, and that's I think that's like what really like. That's what really kind of throws me uh, to one side of that, you know, is because uh-huh. seeing so much of that, yeah, like it just and I, I, I don't know, I don't know if I buy into psychics and all that shit. At I all. totally get it, man. I, I just, get it because there's just so much that like so much bullshit to it all. Yeah, that's why you. I think you have so many people, and I think it's really common among people who I find believable. They really hate the word psychic. They that's, they reject the term completely. Maybe you know what I mean? that's where they have some bit of credibility. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you don't you claim know, to be a psychic. They're just like, hey, like it's, I don't know why I know this or why I think this, but I really have yeah. a strong feeling. That, you know, this could be something. Versus, yeah. like, oh, you have three children and a mother named yeah. you know, Franklin. <laughs> I don't know why your exactly. mom would be named Franklin, but regardless, <laughs> maybe it's the last hey, name or something. 
It's a new time, Ryan. <laughs> it is. You're right. It's it's a new age. Um, no, but like you know, dear friend of the show, Carly, um, the Village Tarot Witch on Instagram and on TikTok. Definitely go check her out. She is a person that I believe genuinely has like a deeper connection with the universe. I think she can throw those fucking cards down or runes or bones, anything she chooses, any medium she chooses. And I think she can literally get a more accurate insight on what's happening. Yeah. Than the average person. See, I don't know how deep that goes. Like exactly. And she hates the term psychic. She's because I, yeah. she's our age and she thinks she instantly thinks Miss Cleo and fucking John right, Edwards exactly. and all those cheesy assholes. She gets you it. Know what right? I mean? <laughs> exactly. She gets it. She yeah, understands. She gets it. Yeah. So I think I believe that some people like her are closer. I think have more access to sort of almost the, more attuned. Yeah, yeah. I think whether you think about it as like the Akashic record or you right. think about it like uh, the. See, I mean, the, I dove really deep into the Akashic bullshit. Like, I, yeah. I don't want to say bullshit. Okay. <laughs> I know. Maybe, maybe let me rephrase that. Yes. I mean, like, yeah. the shit, you know? Like, yeah, right. absolutely. Which I do. I find it extremely fascinating. Yeah. The idea of just this collective unconscious yeah. that, yeah, and that everyone comes from and goes to. Exactly, and yeah. that's it's almost like you know, and it, yeah. And I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna break on a whole tangent now, but sure. Regardless, yes, maybe that's I, yeah. my problem. Like that, I I find extremely fascinating, and, and a lot of this stuff I really do. But then like there's like just the the parts of it that like prophecy and stuff like that, especially yeah. maybe maybe more so religious prophecy. Okay, it could be that too. Yeah. His prophecy is definitely tied to religion oh, also. extremely, yes. Yeah. And, yep. and and that, I find... Do you I, see, like, I a don't want to talk line? about religion, because, I, As, I'm, you know, there's... We've, we've talked you know, about this ev- a lot. Eventually, we're going to have to crack the nut of religion with you on this show. You realize that, right? How many times on the show you've said, I don't really want to talk about religion? I mean, Eventually, yeah, we're going to have to go there. But we don't have to right now. It's because I can't tell it. you whether or not anything exists. I don't yeah. believe it. You know? Right. But, like, I want to. Like, I yeah. can't say it's, that I don't. I can't say I don't want to. Just because, I think, like, I think it's important for everybody to have something that, you know, like, ties yeah. them to the universe for some reason, right? Yes. You know, at the moment, yeah. I think that we're all here to progress through a life that is almost predetermined at one point and sure you know that's again not talking about titan theory and stuff like that but like (laughs) that all ties into it for me so so do you consider it to be a thin line between say like someone like nostradamus predicting world war ii and maybe like the book of revelations i think it's very easy to predict a war right what I, I mean, mean is like, like if you can you can see where the world is at at one point. I think it's inevitable, right? I mean, he was like eight hundred years before World War Two. I mean, yeah, but <laughs> I foresee no, I don't know if somewhere in the future the- there will be another war, major war. Right. I'm sure of it. But but he like described Hitler. He like d- he discussed concentration camps. Like I mean, and this is 
Maybe that's where they got the before. idea. <laughs> that's not Hitler's left. Hitler's parents were like reading the quatrains, and they're like, "Oh, Haiti, you're gonna do this one day, aren't you?" We know how you need to shave. Like, <laughs> oh man, his barber was like, "I got it." I got the idea. Here we go. Just no, zip, but- <laughs> zip. You're done, old Eddie. <laughs> That's right. Oh. Okay. So what I was trying to ask was, because <laughs> you mentioned that like part of your, um, the trouble or your struggle with premonitions right. is their correlation with religion. Yeah. Right. So like, yeah. Do you, do you see like a, do you make a connection in your mind between like the prediction of a catastrophe by a random person and a random catastrophe? Does that feel to you like a smaller sort of version of like the book of revelations that predicts the end of the end of time? Right. Or we're all just going to get raptured. Well, I mean, everybody else that is going to get raptured. I won't. Yeah. Not us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Probably not us actually. Yeah. You can come, you can rely on us for your post rapture podcast (laughs) needs. Pre post companion rapture. (laughs) That's right. That's awful. (laughs) No, but like, I don't, I don't know. I kind of, yeah. Right. Cause that's, I mean, that's the major, um, that's the major part of Christianity, at least, that is sort of an exercise in premonition, right? Yeah. Is the book of Revelations and talking about what it what will come. That's the end. Literally the end of everything, right? So like I think what I find what I find off putting about the book of Revelation in particular is I get this like I get this same feeling from it that I get from like doomsday cults. Yes. Where they just the date just keeps getting pushed back and back yeah. and back. I, I'm reminded parents, of the episode of Parks and Rec. The Doomsday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like yeah, we're here it every reserves year. it every year. <laughs> every year, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um but like cuz our parents parents were watching people say the end is near. That look what's happening. Y2K. The end times are coming. Like, yeah, I mean, just all of that. Right. It's been happening for fucking 80 years. People have been saying it's yeah. time. You know that stuff in the book. It's about to happen. And the goalpost just keeps getting pushed farther back. So it feels, I don't know, it feels to me, at least, it reminds me of a doomsday cult. Yeah, honestly. I, I agree. I agree. It's 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 just like it's so out there. Yeah. That it's it I find it very hard to like put my faith into I mean it's fantastical. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of it is. It's just it's hard to put everything that I could that I believe in scientifically sure. with you know, with something to back it versus yeah. something that nobody actually really knows. Yeah. Personally I'm someone who believes that the Bible has, and along with almost every other holy text, has a ton of useful wisdom in it. And I think that's what I take away from it. I don't like, I don't read the book of Revelations and think like, well, I better put that on the calendar. You know what I mean? I don't, I think that's the way it was intended to be used. I, I'm sure it was. And that's all, it, that, yeah, that's all it is, is interpretation, right? Exactly. All right. 
Let's get back into the reason we're here, the Bell Witch. Bell Witch. <laughs> All right, let's do some of that. Okay. Um, okay, so one thing that I did not end up including in the story... So how all this started, before the whispers and the the actual phenomena in the house, there was a series of, let's say, odd encounters that various family members had. Yeah. Um, so John Bell, the patriarch, he... Right. This is the one you hear most often, is beforehand he saw... He had a sighting of what he described as an animal with the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit on the property. He took a shot at it because he was out hunting. He took a shot at it and it vanished like before his eyes. Okay. Okay. That was like, that happened in, I think all everything I'm about to tell you happened in a, like the, the previous month or so before things really started jumping off in the right. house. Yeah. So... Soon after that, one of the sons, Drew Bell, he saw uh, a strange bird on one of the fences. So he described it as being, quote, an extraordinary size. And when he approached it, he said it flew away, but then also vanished. Okay. Okay. Then Betsy, the daughter who's basically tormented through the whole story. Right. Betsy sees a girl in a green dress hanging from the limb of an oak tree on the property. That'd be terrifying. Yeah, absolutely terrifying. And the girl speaks to her and says some cryptic shit and then vanishes right in front of her. Okay. Just disappears. Okay. And then this last person, and it should be mentioned because it is is far too commonly not mentioned in this story. The Bells, this is 1817 to 1821, they're slave owners. This is, you know, Tennessee in the early 19th century. There there are several enslaved people on on the property that also live on the property. Very much worth noting, for sure. Yes, absolutely. So one of those enslaved people, his name was Dean... He reported to the Bells that anytime he would walk to visit his wife, who was an enslaved person on a property next to the Bells, so he would walk over there to visit with her. Right. Every time he would do that, he was followed by a giant black dog that no one no one knew where it came from, whose it was, but it would be like late in the evening, and he would have this like terrifying giant black dog follow him never like chased him or attacked him or it would just walk behind him keep pace with him the whole time he walked yeah that'd be rough man yeah that's terrifying dude but you know it's not bother but it's just like that also like being followed too like yeah yeah it's it's crazy so and then the phenomena seems to move into the house Right. right that's when they start hearing noises. They hear knocking on the walls. Um, they sometimes described it as it sounded like someone throwing rocks against the outside of the house. Yeah. Okay. Um, they heard gnawing on the bedposts. Like, they could never figure out where it was coming from or what it was. That would be really but, um, a really strange yeah. sound to hear. Yeah, almost like a rat gnawing right, on the yeah. wood bedpost, you know? But maybe um, that's all it was. 
Yeah. And then the two that freak me the fuck out. One, they would hear like full blown dog fights happening in their house. And yeah, that I mean that's that's super weird. Yeah, that freaks me there's, out. There's no way. I mean, there's no way to like explain that, right? Yeah the the dog fight is weird. Like, and that happened on several occasions where they would. I mean, anyone who has who has dogs knows what it sounds like when your dogs aren't playing anymore. You know, oh, when yeah, like for sure. Oh, I need to step in, mm-hmm. right? They would hear that coming from downstairs, and like John would rush downstairs and there's nothing in the house there's nothing there yep and then the last one the other one that freaks me out is the sound and maybe it's just growing up with a christmas carol but the sound of chains dragging being drug on the floor i mean yeah that's a, the house. that's a pretty gnarly one yeah especially going back to the fact that they were slave owners that's what i was gonna say i mean that uh-huh yep that's that's a. Uh, yeah i mean that sound essentially being recreated, right? Yeah. And maybe it's just a mess. You know, obviously, in this case, it's probably to just to mess with them. You know, like almost yeah. like tormenting them with that, you know, sound that is all too familiar, especially in. Yeah. You know, I mean, when you're talking about the antebellum South, like the the idea of chains has a very specific oh, yeah. imagery mm-hmm. that comes with it. You know what I mean? That's and that's what I think of instantly when I hear that. Um yeah, that's gnarly. Soon after, it, yeah, it really is. Um, soon after the noises, John starts getting something like something like paralysis in his mouth. So, like he described it as he would just all of a sudden feel like he had like a stick stuck sideways in his throat. Ugh. Yeah, and he would feel that for sometimes hours, just like coughing, trying to like write it, you know, and. And then it would just go away after hours of like suffering through it. Um, Jeez, which that freaks me out. I too. mean, yeah, that just the just the idea of that and just trying to like imagine that it just ugh, makes my throat hurt. Yeah, yeah, same, same. Um, soon after that, the kids start having physical, like experiencing physical phenomena. So they all of them report having the sheets ripped off their beds at random times at night yep um they start showing up with unexplained scratches they're being slapped at random like they they just suddenly feel like they've been slapped they get their hair pulled and in the most terrifying example betsy woke wakes up one night to a, a loud noise and when she goes to get out of bed she realizes that her hair has been tied in a knot around the bedpost oh man and when she can't she tries to get up she can't move and then she's slapped repeatedly until she passes out (laughs) yeah while she's tied there to the bedpost i don't mean to laugh but like that is a clusterfuck of a situation yes it is just imagine being like basically tied down by your hair first of all which if you pull is gonna rip your scalp but yep. at the same time, you're being slapped, and so you can't pull because you know, like you know, if you do, it's going to be worse. Yeah. Oh man, it's crazy. Yeah, that's terrible. I, now, my first thought about this experience is: could this have been some form of sleep paralysis, where she couldn't get up off the Maybe. bed? Maybe she thought her hair was tied around the bed. Right. It would be kind of hard to see your own hair tied around the bedpost behind. But you, you could feel it, right? Like yeah. you could, you, you could definitely you feel think. your hair being pulled. Yeah. 
That's why I say some kind of sleep paralysis, because obviously it's not like any case specifically I've heard of, but like the fact that she can't get out of bed, she knows something's in the room. Like, But it could also be in her head that she's feeling like this feeling of almost her hair being pulled. It also could know? have been just a super vivid dream. It could have been. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. That's and true. And then the spirit starts speaking. So this is when it like really goes up. This is where it evolves from a standard that's, poltergeist yeah. to much more. See, that's the stuff so, that's just weird. Yeah. The the spirit offered diverse explanations as to like why it was there. So they call in a friend. His name's John Johnston. And he starts like talking with the spirit with them, right? Because that's another thing. It, it did not only speak to the family. Like we're talking about dozens and dozens of people who came into this house and had experiences. Yeah. Like of it of it speaking, right? One of the one of the things because the first thing um, John Johnston asks is like, "What the fuck are you doing here? Like, why are you here?" Right? And it gives. It sort of rattles off a series of different answers. Yeah. But one of the ones that stuck with both John Johnston and John Bell was the idea that there had been some sort of disturbance of a Native American burial ground on the property. Um, Which is always the cause for a bad time. Yeah. Which actually, that idea kind of seeded in the family and several of the sons went out searching for like buried native american treasure on the land which probably didn't help no i mean that's they, that's the opposite of what, yeah. you should, what you should be doing in that exactly. case let's go rustle it up some more Jeez. yeah um but on another instance it repeated word for word two different um church sermons that were given 13 miles apart at the same time so yeah that's like, that's it, that's wild yeah it's it's weird shit it like it was well acquainted with like Bible verses, all that. But also and sang it, hymns and stuff like yep. that. Right, yeah. It also loved to have religious arguments <laughs> of course. with people. To like yeah, to really get into it. Yeah. It also loved to gossip about other households in the community. Oh jeez. And like when family members would ask it questions, it would like disappear. It would go away for for a couple minutes and then it would come back with answers. Like about other people in the town, yeah. So it was almost like it was, it was like, like watching everybody, like yeah, like popping in on another house. To like, oh, Sally is sleeping with Tom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like just shitty little gossip. Um, That's the worst. So w- the friend uh, John Johnston, he decided one day to test it, and so what he asked, his idea was to ask it a question that none of the family, none of the Bell family, would know the answer to, right? So what he asks is, what would my grandmother say when she thought that her slaves had done something wrong? It's like a grandmother who lived, I think it was in North Carolina. It was the family didn't know anything about her. Right. And Completely the, separate the spirit, from all this. Yeah. And the witch answers in his grandmother's accent, um, quote, tut tut, what has happened now? Which apparently was the correct answer. Like tut tut, what has happened now? Yeah. Um so that he never came back to the house after that. I probably Apparently it freaked yeah. him out. Yeah. That sealed the deal for him. Um another interesting thing though is that the 
the spirit, whatever it was, was actually really nice to the matriarch of the family, Lucy. Um, there's one instance where she falls ill. Okay. Like, pretty seriously for a couple months. And um, the spirit would bring her fresh fruit and sing gospel hymns to her while what she was, sweetheart. like, bedridden. Right? Yeah, that's so Very sweet. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's... It was very sweet to Lucy. <laughs> like, it fucking hated John. And it, Betsy. It didn't want, like, yes, and poor Betsy. Um, but yeah, it, it loved... It actually... One of it, one of the quotes is that Lucy is was the most perfect woman ever created. That's one of the things the spirit said. Wow. Yeah. So it liked Lucy. It did not like anyone else, pretty much. Well. And then... Uh, and then the story climaxes with, um, after constant threats against John, it eventually kills him. I mean, that's what everyone assumes, right? They find him dead in bed. Um, his health deteriorates over time, and eventually he's bedridden, and then they he dies in bed. And But they find him, like, they find this little medicine bottle that they don't recognize at all. And it smells like acrid, like... I mean, we can just say it, it smells like poison. Right. And it's them. essentially described as being like a black liquid. Yes. That's in this bottle. And they, yeah. they, they smell the same smell on his, on his breath. On, not breath. He's dead. But around his mouth. I mean, yeah. Like a ling- right. that same odor lingering. And it says, it says, yeah, I did it. I killed him. Like I, I mixed up his medicine for him and he'll never get out of bed again. And then it ridicules him at his funeral. So there's which also is pretty fucking hard. There was also the claim that John Jr. apparently had sprinkled two drops on their cat's tongue of this liquid, really? and the cat okay. apparently jumps in the air, rolls over midair, and then is dead when it hit the floor. And the cat dies. And the cat dies due to just the what? excess liquid that's left over. Yeah, they decide what to try dick. it on the cat. <laughs> I'm no longer on Team John Jr. <laughs> right. Test it on your sister. Leave the cat alone. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's wild. I, I hadn't come across that. That's interesting. Um, so after the funeral, they have this this dude come in and do an exorcism right. of the house. Yep. Right. And wins. Right. Like the dude wins, basically. Yeah. And, um, it agrees to go away, but it it only lasts a couple months because as soon as Betsy starts getting involved with with a uh, old boy, I forget his name. I'm just gonna say um, this: I think that this thing had a thing for Betsy and Lucy. You think so? I think the reason that it targeted Betsy was because maybe it's playing hard to get, like a little little game of cat and mouse like or something. Play, you know, playground pigtail pulling. Right, exactly. But then when okay. Betsy's like, hey, you know, I'm in love, it's things like, no, you're not. Nuh-uh. Yeah, I could see that. Maybe. So when Betsy announces her engagement, shit really, like, jumps off again. Right. Like, way worse than it ever was before. People are getting slapped left and right, scratches, all kinds of shit. Yeah, she's really irked and, this yeah. witch. Yeah, pissed her off. <laughs> yeah. Um, And it, you know, it tells her, like... You have to call off the engagement or this will never end. Like, you have to. And then when she calls off the engagement, she says, I'll be back in seven years and goes. Yeah. 
And the witch actually did return in the time period that it said. Seven years later, it returns to the house. At that time in 1828, the the only people living there are Lucy and two of the sons, the two youngest sons, Richard and Joel. And apparently similar activities as it started before. Right. But they just ignore it. They decide we're going to ignore it. We're not going to encourage it. We're not going to interact with it. Just pretend and like after it's the, not even period, happening. Yeah. yeah. And after about a month of that, it just goes away and they never hear from it again. I mean, at that point, like she can't, she's not riling him up anymore. You know, like yeah. if they're just completely dismissing it, then yeah. After yeah. so many like failed attempts, why, why, right. what would be her reason gonna for get staying bored. around? Exactly. Yeah. It's going to get bored. It's just, um, it's crazy. It's definitely crazy. It really is. So the main theory behind this is that this woman, Kate Batts, right. was, had basically summoned this being to torment the family. And Kate is basically known as like a witch, right? Well, the thing is, she's in the classic style of the time. She's just a really loud, outspoken, heart like, hard-working woman right is what she is Independent, and she gets she doesn't need no man and yes. then people see that yeah. as like you know see that's what's funny is her man is actually the source of the the issue that she had with with the bell family so originally so her her husband gets injured right right like grievously injured in a farming accident and they end up having to to make ends meet, they have to sell off part of their farm. Mm. And the Bells, John Bell basically like takes advantage of the situation and buys it for a really low price. Like, we'll only buy it for dirt cheap, like pennies on the dollar. Yeah. And they they're like, that's bullshit. That's awful. Like, you're a bad person. Mm. Right? So yeah. the the those two families from then on do not get along. Then I mean, later, there's a deal at that point, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, because I mean, especially at this time, community was everything, and your neighbors in a tough spot, and you like fuck them over. Like that's that was not it was not well liked yeah. at the time. That's just not how people treated each yeah, other back of then. You know. Um, but then later, there's some kind of um, some kind of fuckery goes on between the the sale of an enslaved little girl. Um, and they actually file a lawsuit against, against the bells against John bell. And he doesn't know about it in time to actually go to court and they rule against him for it. So there's like a long history of these two families fighting. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a massive feud at that point. And yeah, so it, it basically got blamed on her. Um, I, I saw several accounts that said that she was dead already when this happened. Oh, really? That's not true. She, um, I know when Astonishing Legends covered this story, and I there are a few podcasts on Earth that I trust their research more than Astonishing Legends. Yeah. Um, they actually found a census from 1840 that still had her listed as living oh, wow. in the county. So she definitely was still alive. I, I would and, say I'd buy that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't really buy the, uh, the Kate bats idea. See, of this. But did she ever claim to be Kate? 
Yes. The See, that's, the spirit. That's what I thought. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um which, you know, could say anything. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Almost like toying with them and like you know, causing even more chaos and whatever else in yeah. their lives and then in the people in the community. Yeah. You know, what better way than to blame like everything that's going on on a single person that they're already having problems with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That sucks. And what story <laughs> what story would John buy faster than that? Right. right. After yeah. all the turmoil. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So aside from that, I he one thing I wanted to include. There's a cool little snippet here. Yeah. Um, he was a general at the time, but he would go on to be our seventh president of the United States, Jackson. Andrew Jackson. Yeah. Yes. So he's involved in this. I like this story. Yeah. Yeah. He was actually from Nashville. He was stationed in Nashville, Tennessee. He got he gets wind of this story well, going on. Aren't two? Uh, wasn't uh, John John Junior? Um, he was he was in the yeah, war he had fighting served with right, him. yeah, and then yeah. one of the others, I believe, was also yeah. I think yeah, I think two of the sons had yeah. served under Jackson. Um, but he gets wind of the story and he wants to go down and visit. Right. Um, I'm just gonna read this straight through. Okay. Cool. Okay. So, several accounts say that during his military career, Andrew Jackson was intrigued with the story, and his men were frightened away f- after traveling to investigate. Right On the way there, one of his wagons became stuck by an unseen force and could not be moved. Despite whipping the horses, examining the wheels, and having it pushed by the men in his party, he exclaimed, quote, By the eternal, boys, this is the witch. To which the witch replied... I like that sentence. Right. To which the witch replied, All right, general, let the wagon move on. I will see you again tonight. And the wagon started to move on of its own accord and they continued on their journey well there was one of the Uh, one of the guys that was that was with them claimed to be a quote-unquote witch tamer yeah yeah or a witch hunter yeah either way right witch tamer witch hunter whatever yeah yeah and then and she fucks him over yeah (laughs) she fucks with him he says basically his silver bullet will kill anything and everything that comes in contact with yeah and she um yeah, and then Jackson, when he hears that, whispers to a colleague, I'll bet this fellow is an errant coward. <laughs> By the Eternals, I do wish the thing would come. I want to see him run. And after that, suddenly there was the sound of light footsteps prancing on the floor, and, and the voice stated, All right, General, I'm on hand and ready for business. The witch bade the witch hunter to shoot, but the gun did not fire. The hunter was struck by an unseen force, claimed to feel the pain of being stuck by needles, yep. and exclaimed he had been grabbed by the nose and fled from the tent, which is pretty hilarious. Yeah. Um, they end up they end up leaving it the next morning, um, and then Jackson was quoted saying that he would rather face the entire British army than spend another night with the Bell Witch. Yep. Yeah. Which is fucking I mean, awesome. That's, that's, that's that a big, yeah. That's a yeah. that's a big claim at that point, right? Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, this is why I put this. This is one of the reasons I put it right up there with the Jersey Devil. Yeah, like tie-ins with founding fathers, with like early giant established American figures. You know, like this is true blue American folklore. Yeah, and I, I fucking love it. I love it so much. Um. So just to quickly touch on what's going on now, the Bell Witch Cave is a cave 
on the property, on the original Bell property, and they say that's where that was where the witch came from. Right. Was that cave. Um, the original farmhouse is long gone. So they've built like a replica farmhouse near the cave. It's not where the original one stood. Well, the town's also uh, been renamed since, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't so remember what Adams, they renamed I believe, it. Adams, right? Yeah. Adams. Yeah. Yep. Adams, Tennessee. Um, but they give tours of the replica farmhouse, and you can go in the cave, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of folklore around not taking anything from the cave or from the property. I mean, that's and there are, that's important in a lot of these types of cases. Yeah, but the people who run this place, they'll they get very frequent frequently they'll get things sent back to them in the mail from people who have been there and taken something and then yeah. bad shit starts happening in their life and they're like fuck this send it back i don't want it like get it out of my life yeah and this friday on the fireside chat with heather she has a ton of those stories and they're that's awesome very cool very compelling um but yeah i mean that's that's pretty much the bell witch man it's, it's a, again i mean it's a classic story yeah and also just so very out there which is which is awesome yeah agreed so, i've been waiting for us to do this i uh yeah it's been on the list since the beginning yep. you did it well for sure thank you thank you yeah i'm i'm what do you think it was do you have an idea <sighs> man i don't know in this case i go back and forth um because i don't think it wasn't just nothing sure i think that i think that there was something there um again the the prophecy stuff it's 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 a little hard to it's a little hard to like swallow but at the same time the fact that like there's so many claims of this thing legitimately holding conversations and yeah knowing about all these different families of the community and knowing what's going on like to me like that just makes it a little bit more compelling right yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's just I couldn't. Agree it's hard more. to say, like, oh, it's without a doubt, it's this, but like, I there's something, something there. I don't think it was uh, Kate Bats. Yeah, Kate Bats. No, I definitely don't don't yeah. think that. But I think I like so, for some reason this family was targeted. I think it's it's either. See, man, this is tough. Um, <laughs> it's like I want to say like maybe witchcraft was involved just in the fact that okay. like what else could it be yeah. i don't know yeah that's the thing is i i don't know yeah but it's I, something i agree it's something okay. for sure i don't i don't think it was a haunt although i think it gave us a lot of the framework for what would become like the tropes oh, yeah. of a haunted house right i mean the um, scratching the knocking right yep. yeah of course exactly the things coming up missing randomly, the yep. you know what I mean, the things we hear over and over again. But I think it was, I think it was undeniably some. There was undeniably something going on here. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. But I think this is just one of those stories that you just have to live with not knowing. I think this is yeah. like a a bizarre occurrence in human history that I don't know if we'll ever have an answer to. I don't know what it is. I agree. I think I think we'll never we'll never fully know. And we can again only speculate and only try and guess, but like I don't even think that's going to do it justice. Agreed. I think that's why I think I think the best way to go about this is like hmm, pretty weird. <laughs> this is a weird one, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
Like, and I'm cool with it. I think that's why I like that. One of the reasons I like this story so much is that, like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. Agreed. I don't feel like I need to know. You know, I no, think that's part I, of the that's mystique. Exactly. That's what makes it yeah. even cooler. Yeah. They had a run in with some tentacle of the universe that we just don't have any experience with. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, yep. I think this was a completely unique situation. Yeah. I agree. I, th- I think the Bell Witch was the Bell Witch. Yeah. That's that's what I, it was. I think that's a, that's perfect. It it is what it is. There you go. I, I dig it. I'm into it. All right. I think that concludes episode 99, The Bell Witch. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week. And it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook. At campfire.totsau on Twitter. And you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and and trust trust in the unknown. unknown.